I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. If you're a manufacturer who depends on rubber for your product, you probably get it from Asia. That's where most of the world's natural rubber is now harvested. But an eight-year-old St. Louis company hopes to change that, and it's found a product that it believes can become a source of homegrown rubber, sunflowers. Who doesn't love a full field of sunflowers? For sure. By going up to a 5% concentration in the leaves, and then taking the, uh, the peak sunflower acreage um, in the U.S., which was about five and a half million acres. <laughs> if, you, if you do the math on that, that meets about 75 to 80% of the U.S. Uh, demand for natural rubber. That company is called Edison AgroSciences, and joining us today to talk about it is CEO David Woodburn. David, welcome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Very happy to be here. So, David, you started trying to cultivate a domestic source of natural rubber years ago. Why was that your focus? So, um, to be fair, I was not one of the original founders of the company. I came in just a couple years ago, but uh, the two gentlemen that did uh, found the company, Matt Crisp and, uh, and Thomas Hahn, their idea was not to look at, let's say, the, the second and third largest producers, plant you know, producing plants, uh, in the world, mm-hmm. but what would have the most potential, you know, by by breeding, by um, by altering the plant, and then also, you know, what do farmers already know how to grow mm-hmm. instead of some obscure thing that they've never grown before? How about something that's already been grown as a as a cultivated crop, and sunflower rose to the top of the list. And is that something they identified, or is that something that happened after years of digging into this? No, that was really something uh, from the outset. You know, they knew about the rubber issue, and you know, there there are a number of issues there: the geographic concentration, the the species hyper concentration, let's call it. They knew about the issue, and once they started looking, I think they were probably just as surprised as as anybody else to hear that sunflower plants produce natural rubber in the leaves. Yeah, I mean, that seems so surprising to me. Um, So this is coming from the leaves. How does a sunflower have to be changed or modified in order to be a a truly good source of of natural rubber? So that's kind of what we're figuring out. Um, We've done variety trials here in in St. Louis where we plant, uh, it was actually 121 different varieties of sunflower Hmm. and measured the rubber content in each one of those. And what we found is that uh, there were some that produced at, you know, 0.2% in the leaves and some that produced at uh, about 1.8%. And while the 1.8% is still, you know, kind of a small amount, that's not very exciting. You look at that difference, that's a 9x difference between Hmm. the the heaviest producers and the lightest producers. So that's, you know, one um, approach that we can take is to understand what's causing that difference and then just sort of exploit uh, that natural uh, variation in the crop. So you say 1.8%. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a huge number. How high would you have to get that percentage for this to be economically feasible? The, uh, the economics really uh, hinge on the extraction, getting the rubber out. So right now at that 1.8%, um, that gives us about 100 pounds of natural rubber per acre. Hmm. Which, which isn't terrible uh, from a dollars and cents standpoint. <laughs> the hard part is, or the expensive part is getting it out. Mm. So if we can get that above 3%, then we're, you know, it's, it's, we can really start uh, treating this as a serious rubber crop. 
ideally we get it up to five or six percent. Hmm. I can see how that would make a huge difference. You talked about that extraction. We do want to mention that you can check out a photo of the sunflower's rubber extract. We put that on our Instagram page. That's STL on air. How does that extract and that rubber that's coming from sunflowers, how does that compare to traditional sources of rubber in Asia? It's green. <laughs> They're both green? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, the same, it's the same thing. It's hmm. natural rubber. Um, the only difference is, is that it's coming from sunflower and sunflowers store it as a, as, as sort of a liquid within the leaves. Whereas a rubber tree, um, if you think about uh, how those are harvested, you're looking for the, the latex, sort of the sap of the tree. Mm -hmm. And that's how they harvest it. They, they actually slice the tree and hang a, a small bucket, you know, from a nail at, at the bottom of that slice. And the, uh, and the rubber flows down uh, from there. From there it's collected and then it's purified. So while we would extract, you know, 100% rubber uh, directly from the leaves, with the trees, you have that intermediary product, the latex, which then the rubber is pulled from the latex. So isn't it, a, is it an advantage to have it in this liquid form? Potentially. Um, it is different, right? So we have to further explore um, how that uh, makes a difference in you know, physical characteristics, in the molding characteristics. What we did find, and if, you know, if, if it's the picture that I'm thinking of, it's a small sheet of rubber. It's about an 11% blend uh, with, with rubber from the Havea rubber tree. Hmm. But what they found is that it did you know, mold easier. Uh, because hmm. of that liquid rubber characteristic. You know, we think of trees being tapped. I assume those trees are living for decades with the sunflower. Is the sunflower um, giving its life for this rubber process? It is. It's an annual crop um, the way we manage it today. And so, yes, it, it would be an annual crop that's, you know, worked into a rotation uh, in different spots, potentially around the U.S. or, or around the world. Hmm. So it's, it's not a, a permanent crop that has the same sort of susceptibility to, to disease from being in one you know, single place forever, like what is being seen in the rubber plantations. So that, too, could be a big advantage here. Exactly. And so, you know, when you need more rubber uh, or the price of rubber is good, you, know, you plant more rubber producing sunflower. When uh, the rubber prices are down, you just produce, a, you know, you plant a little bit less. Um, but you're able to work it through a rotation with other crops. And that really helps a lot with, uh, with soil fertility and pest resistance. My guest today is David Woodburn. He's the CEO of Edison AgroSciences. That's located right here in St. Louis. Uh, David, some really good news. You recently won a $1 million contract from the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. That's apparently part of the Department of Defense. Why are they interested in this? So, the, so that's a question that I'm not supposed to answer. Oh. But what I can say <laughs> I, is I apologize. That, uh, yeah, a state no. secret right there. <laughs> But what I can say is that, um, you know, the world supply of natural rubber is at risk. You know, I mentioned that 90% of it or so comes from Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. All of it comes not only from the same plant species, but really clones of exact, you know, um, exact same trees. And so once, a, uh, once you have that type of concentration, mm. pests, uh, whether it be disease or insects, really, you know, if they take hold things can move fast. And that's exactly what happened uh, in the early 1900s 
when this is going to sound familiar, right? You know, mm -hmm. almost 100% of the world's natural rubber came from South America. It all came from the Havea rubber tree until the South American leaf blight set in. Mm -hmm. And now there's essentially no commercial rubber produced in South America. Because, and there have been many attempts to establish new plantations. But after about five years, when that canopy of the trees, you know, starts to close in, a leaf blight sets in and, uh, and then those uh, plantations need to be ab abandoned. Hmm. So it's only a matter of time before that, uh, that hits Southeast Asia. Um, and that's what we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to avoid sort of the, the rubber apocalypse that is really likely to happen. We just don't know exactly when. I understand that there have been previous times that we almost hit that rubber apocalypse, that in World War II, the rubber supply was, was interrupted. What happened there? How did people get around that? Well, they didn't. Um, and so what happened was the U.S. And, and other countries that were, weren't in Southeast Asia that didn't have direct access to a supply of natural rubber looked for alternatives. Now, those, rubber, uh, those alternatives include synthetic rubber, um, which, which is great, except synthetic rubber still, even after all these years, all these decades, still does not have the same performance characteristics of natural rubber. Hmm. And we can come back to that in a minute. Um, so alternative crops that were pursued, but by the time that the end of the war came, you know, they, it was easier just to go back to traditional Havea rubber. Hmm. There are a couple other plants that were tried. Um, Waiuli is a desert shrub. There's uh, Bridgestone has, you know, a small plantation of a couple hundred acres, a research plot um, in, uh, in Arizona, I believe it is. But it's, you know, it, that's certainly not something that uh, is a already commercialized crop. Uh, and there are certain varieties of dandelion that have, you know, that produce natural rubber. But again, you know, growing dandelion as a crop is is a different animal. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this synthetic rubber doesn't have the right performance characteristics. What does it not do that the natural stuff can? So there's a certain abrasion resistance um, and wear resistance, compression resistance that mm. uh, natural rubber has that hasn't been matched by synthetics. And and as a recovering engineer, I mean, I'm I'm kind of surprised by that. But that's uh, that is indeed true. So when you look at different applications, so let's say, you know, I, I drive a, a four-door sedan, it's nothing exciting. The tires uh, for that vehicle are probably maybe 30% natural rubber. However, let's look at aircraft tires. Um, those are always 100% natural rubber. And, you know, so you can kind of imagine what, uh, why some people would be interested in um, in the supply of natural rubber mm -hmm. you know it's it's what you yes we could use synthetic rubber but you know who wants to fly on a plane where the tires are are pretty good you know they're almost as good as what they used to be or or to have a fighter pilot um land someplace and say yeah you know what these these tires are pretty good they're almost as good as as what they could be it doesn't sound very uh, very enticing. Yeah, you you make a great argument there. Um, I, I want to circle back to this one million dollar research contract that you got. You told our producer that that normally wouldn't be that much for a research company, but that this is a game changer for you guys. Uh, how how so? Well, because Edison Anger Sciences, to be honest, is is only three people uh, mm -hmm. at this stage, and so a million dollars of you know guaranteed funding, uh, consistent funding, dependable funding 
is a big step for us to really prove out the science, um, create samples, and get to a point where we can show uh, a path to commercialization you know, at the end of this two-year program. Uh, we, do, we have been able to raise uh, equity capital or investor capital, um, a little over 900000 hmm. And a lot of that has been through Biogenerator here in St. Louis, um, MTC, Missouri Technology Corporation, and then also one of the co-founders, Matt Crisp, is, is one of the largest investors as well. But this really gives a boost to us to, uh, and me as CEO, to be able to plan for you know the company and, and being able to make progress without spending all my time you know figuring out where the uh, the next dollar is going to come from. Hmm. So at the end of this two-year uh, contract, how close do you hope to be to bringing this to market? What we'd like to be able to show after two years is that we have increased um, that amount of rubber from the let's say you know one to one point eight percent. That that's up above three percent or even more. You know, it won't be in hundreds of thousands of acres at that point. That's not really the purpose. Mm -hmm. But to to get to a point in the lab, in the greenhouse, and in a few very very small field trials, to show that hey, you know, we have seen a large improvement, and now we're ready to uh, to scale that up. Hmm. So rubber is a fifty-two billion dollar market. How much of that do you think sunflowers could ultimately fill if all goes well? Yeah, so that's actually a question that I get a lot. And the calculations that we've done by going up to a 5% concentration in the leaves and then taking the, uh, the peak sunflower acreage um, in the U.S., which was about 5.5 million acres, hmm. if, you, if you do the math on that, that meets about 75 to 80% of the U.S. Uh, demand for natural rubber. Wow. I mean, so this could be a, a huge source. It could be a huge source, and that's, you know, that's U.S. demand alone. Um, and, and the important point is, is you can still, it's, it's still natural rubber. You can mix it with imported natural rubber. You could potentially mix that with the synthetic rubber as well. It just really, really stretches the, uh, you know, the availability mm -hmm. of natural rubber supply. Well, this is really exciting work, and I also love that the byproduct might be more fields of sunflowers. How exciting would that be? Who doesn't love a full field of sunflowers? For sure. Well, David Woodburn, CEO of Edison AgroSciences, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was a pleasure to be here. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.